just set their eyes on him for a minute. Lord, thank you. God, you're worthy. You're worthy. We just regard your eternal worth, Jesus. We regard your eternal glory that will never fade away, a glory that is imperishable, indestructible. It will never fade away. You are the light of men. You are the light of life. You are our glory. All of heaven adores you, Jesus. I, I want to adore you. I want to adore the Lamb of God created in your image and likeness. How much more ought I to adore you than the living creatures, the elders, the angels who aren't created in your image and likeness, yet they never cease to adore, to give glory, to extol, to exclaim your worth. Jesus, I want to exclaim your worth in my life with, my, with every breath in my lungs. I have breath because of you. I, I exist because of you. All things were created for you, through you, and to you. Everything exists for your glory. You are the reason for creation. You are the reason for man. I want to behold your glory. I need to see more, Jesus. I need to see you high and lifted up. I need to see you like Isaiah saw you. I need to see you, Lord, like John saw you. Lord, I need, I need, I'm in need. I need to see more. Lord, enlighten our eyes in this hour. Enlighten our eyes in this hour, Lord. Amen. Amen. This is a tough word to give. But I'm hearing it my own life and I I can tell you that I'm I'm going to going to continue preaching to myself and I'm not projecting or assuming or presuming anything I'm going to preach to me in my own conscience and there's certain passages of the word that we're all familiar with and then there are seasons where all those passages you know so well just start screaming at your conscience and start messing you up deeply and that's where I'm at is Lord's dealing with me as with a son in deeper ways still. I've known seasons like this, and you have too. And they'll never stop until we stand before the Lord because he doesn't leave us where we are, and he's always calling us and pointing us to the future. He never leaves us, nor will he ever forsake us. And he's after Christ in us, the hope of glory. He's after Joseph looking more and more like Jesus his entire life and less and less like Adam his entire life. Because Jesus is the last Adam. He's the final man. He is the plumb line of my life. He's the one whom God the Father is always referencing in my sight. Joseph, look at him. Joseph, trend in his way. Joseph, become like him. Say yes to him. 
Let him be your all in all. Let him be everything to you. Let him be your water, your bread. Let him be your very life, Joseph. Feed on Jesus. He is the bread of heaven. Drink of him. He is the river of life. He's everything. And he needs to become everything to me, to you, more and more and more, especially in the times that we live in where it's going to become easier and easier and easier to trend away from him if I'm not aware and intentional about my life, in my inner life particularly and especially, the attitudes of my heart, the appetite in my spirit, those deep inner realities of my life, being uh, conscious of them, attentive to them, attentive to the Lord, and allowing him to adjust and rearrange anything, everything about me, whatever's necessary to be shifted and changed and reorchestrated in my life. But the Lord's just dealing with me as with a son. And the two things he's talking to me about are my belly and my heart. <laughs> my attitude and my appetite. My heart, my attitude, my appetite, my belly. What am I after in the deep places that no man sees? And as I said last week, oftentimes we don't see. I don't see. But there's reaches and cravings and appetites for other things and things that may be permissible, right? Things that aren't outright sinful. But it's like if you want more of God and more of what he's doing in this hour of church history, it will cost me. Joseph, it's going to cost you. And what it's going to cost you aren't the obvious things like sin and repentance. It's going to cost you the not-so-obvious things, like the permissible things. And again, don't take this as a projection. Just test it, weigh it, talk to God about it. And maybe you're totally clear in conscience. Awesome. Again, there's no pointing of the finger. I'm saying I'm not clear in conscience. And the Lord's talking to me about these things. My appetite and my attitude. My belly and my heart. It's Jacob and Esau. It's both. Jacob had a heart issue. Esau had an appetite issue. This stuff's screaming at me. Inheritance and promise stood before both of these men, and one, because he had appetite for other things, forsook his inheritance. He squandered the promise. And the other, who had a crooked place in his heart, was asking for this inheritance and promise and praying all the right prayers, but his heart was off in his prayers. And we know the story, right? And here's what I feel the Lord saying to me and, and to us and to any who are willing to hear it in this hour is, Joseph, I have so much more for you, but I cannot give it to you in your current condition. Jacob, I know you want everything I have that's available for you, but I cannot give it to you in your current condition. Many of you know we just had the men's and women's encounters here, and I just attended this men's encounter because the Lord's dealing with me, and I said, I, I, don't, I, I don't really even want to open my mouth about anything. I just want to go and listen and receive. 
I need God. He's doing something. I don't fully know what it is. And, of course, the first session is this Jacob session. And Stu here brought the word on Jacob. And that thing was just screaming at me the whole time. Joseph, I want to bless you more. Yes, more. Super abundantly. But I cannot bless you where you're at. I have to deal with you. And I have to wound you a little in conscience, in heart, because I am a father. I'm a good father. And I deal with you as with sons. And if I give you promise and inheritance in its entirety, it'll kill you and destroy you because your heart isn't yet ready to bear it and become a steward and manager of it. Instead, if I bless you now like I really want to, it'll steward and manage you and you will be an idolater. <laughs> and you will worship promises and inheritance and anointing in ministry, in business, and increase, and not worship me. That's serious. And that's the story of Jacob. The heart has to be set right for what's coming, because what's coming requires stewardship and management like we don't even know yet. Like I have no clue the amount of responsibility and requirement that's going to come upon my life in order to participate in what God's going to do in the not-too-distant future. I constantly drive through Bangor and Brewer, and in my mind I see a move of the Spirit, right? I'm thinking, God, I mean, I, I believe when they started to build the uh, Riverfront concerts, man, I felt the Lord speak so clearly, Joseph, I'm setting the stage. I am. I'm orchestrating a place for a move of the Spirit. I'm setting the stage. Right? They set a stage and, you know, prop up all these men and women. And, you know, and I'm not judging that, right? If you've gone or whatever, that's not my point. I'm not doing that anyway. I'm saying God's got a greater plan. And there's something that's going to take place in this region. I believe this. He's making me aware of this more and more and more. Thus, the reason he's dealing with me as one in this region. And my heart's not ready for it. My appetite, my attitude isn't ready for the greater glory, for something far greater than I've known yet. Right? I've just seen like this little fragment of God in his plan, this little glimmer, and it's enough to take your life over, but there's more than a glimmer to be had. There's more than a drop from the bucket. There's an outpouring of the Spirit, Joseph, like biblical proportion in your day and in your time, and you're not ready, and you think you are, and you're praying the right prayers. Keep praying them, son, but your heart's not ready. And if I don't deal with your heart and I don't deal with your appetite, if I was an unfaithful father and I left you where you are, I'd be untrue to myself. And so I'm dealing with you as with a son. He's getting us ready for the not-too-distant future. And again, God, I'm thinking, man, yeah, revival, uh, miracles, signs, wonders, um, more intercessors, more uh, growth in the church. Harvest, breakthrough, yeah, hallelujah. And it's just, I'm in this season where he's just like, 
you know, finger on the chest, like, do you understand what you are asking me for? I don't think so. Let me tell you what you're really asking for. Right? It's, and I use this phrase a lot, it's not a fall over fest. It's not like happy clappy, it's not a party. It's a move of God unto the maturity of the church and the salvation of souls to meet the Lord. To stand before the Lord. That's serious. And if it's just about more people in our churches so we can have a better church now and a better life now and a better Christianity now, we're missing the whole point. Any vestige of that in my heart, he's dealing with it. He's squeezing my heart. He's purging my heart. And, and what's interesting is, again, these things aren't sinful or real twisted, crooked, un ungodly. They're just not clear. They're not accurate. They're inaccurate idea, ideas and ideologies. They're in little inaccurate attitudes, appetites that aren't what's necessary to bear the reality of what's coming and walk in it and steward it and be rewarded for stewarding it rather than suffer loss when I stand before him like the man with one talent who was giving something and stood before Jesus with nothing. I'm preaching to me. This stuff's serious. These parables are here for a reason because Jesus knows what's in man. It says he wasn't entrusting himself to man for he himself knew what was in man. All men, me. Hebrews 4, me. All things in Joseph are uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of God. Even things Joseph doesn't know about Joseph. When he's got his mind made up about himself and he's certain about his Christianity, it's still so vague and I need to show him it's vague. It's not clear. It's not bright yet. It's vague. And there's sincerity there, but I need to give him some clarity so that sincerity turns into maturity and he can manage and steward something that I have for him. Does that make sense? And this is individual and this is corporate. Listen, what's amazing, um, I will boast in my local church, not to uh, uh, look at it in a vain way, but to regard the Lord in our midst. There is a unique component here. There's a unique dynamic here. We aren't here for church. We're, we're building a church, but we aren't here for just churchianity. We're here looking to the future and praying to the future. And yes, being practical in the present and doing things necessary now, but always in light of the future. We're aiming at something that we believe God has for the land and that, like others, we have a role to play in it and we could be assured that potentially one of the predominant roles we have to play in what God's going to do in this region is prayer, is the birthing room. We labor in prayer in this community. We bear a spirit of prayer for the future, and we're relentless. We're, we strike the target. We hit the mark. God speaks clearly. There's a prophetic spirit. He's entrusted us with it. There's more of it coming. There's way more coming. The, man, the, we can't pray big enough for what's coming. I'm being challenged in that, like, I want you to pray this way, Joseph. And it's like, I don't even have, like, I, it feels fake, Lord. I can't pray that way because that seems too great and glorious for me, for us. And he says, yeah, 
the point is it's not for you. It's for my glory. Pray it. Ask me for it. It's like he says to Jesus, ask me for a soul. No, ask me for the nations. Ask me for global influence. Right? This stuff's serious, and part of overcoming issues of the heart and the appetite is about authority, because if you don't have authority over yourself, you don't have any authority, Joseph. If you don't have authority over you, Joseph, you don't have authority over anything. It's called self-control. It's the divine nature in you. It's a fruit of the Spirit, and I need you to walk in it. I need you to control you, son, so you can manage something for me and not, not falter in it. And not turn back in the day of glory. Right? Not forsake the glory of God for something present and temporal that's temporally satisfying to my spiritual, my belly, my appetite. It, it does, it's not eternal. But this, it's just crazy season. <laughs> so yeah, you know, Jacob had to be dealt with. God had to get his attention about a crooked place in his life. No matter how small or large that crooked place is, he's a father, and he's going to deal with us as with sons. He's going to deal with us in light of the future always. And more and more, as we enter into the reality of a time and season that's been spoken of for so long, and we find ourselves in it. And we're accountable. We're re there's requirements on us, unlike other times and generations because of the time we live in. Does that make sense? It's like certain things work, now they don't. But it's because of the season we're in in church history that he's going to deal with us on this level, and it's not legalism. It's not legalism. It's going to be obedience, purity, love. It's going to be, Lord, I know these things are permissible, but if it means permissible things to get more profitable things, give me the more profitable things. If it means some temporal desires of this age in order to receive desires and glories of the age to come, give me the other. That's where I'm at. I've told stories about it before. There's things I love about this age and this life. And I, don't ha I have a clear conscience about it. I love golf. I love the ocean. I love sailboats. One of my dreams in this life was to learn to sail and sail a sailboat. Right? And none of that's sinful. And you can do it. And if you have a clear conscience, keep doing it. That brings glory to God. It's obedience. You have a clear conscience. Go for it. And I'm not saying I won't ever do those things. I'm saying as of yet, in my conscience, I feel so challenged all the time. Like, in fact, would you give them up even more, Joseph, if that's what's going to be required of you? In instead of that little place like, okay, later on, wait a minute. I want to move not so far later on, Joseph. What, do you, what are you after? And is anything natural or in this life other desires is there anything in you or in your life that's going to quench you and your spirit from thirsting and hungering for reality is anything going to satisfy my appetite like esau so i don't crave 
what's of God. That's called idolatry. And I'm saying, if you're an American, we probably need to hear at least a little of this word. I need to hear a lot of it. I'm really American. We have an Americanized Christianity that's so vague, it's a lot of it's counterfeit. And I'm not being mean. I'm honoring the word of God in the book of Acts, which we dig into in this community as a lifestyle and our paradigms, our understanding of church history, the first century church. Oh, my goodness. My Christianity is so Americanized. My Christianity in, in different ways is so Laodicean. Me. And some of you are like, yeah, I see that about you. I need to see it about me. And if it's for you, you need to see it about you. Right? Judge no man by the flesh. Let's exhort one another. Let's stimulate one another onward and upward and not leave and forsake one another because he doesn't leave me or forsake me. So you shouldn't. <laughs> and vice versa. My Christianity is Americanized in ways. It's Laodiceanized in ways. And the Lord's interrupting me about it. That's called mercy. That's called mercy. He could leave me where I am, and I wouldn't know it. And he'd be unjust and unfaithful, but he's not unjust, and he's not unfaithful. <laughs> he's faithful and true. He's a father. He fa he's the father of our spirit in Hebrews 12. He's tutoring my spirit in the right way. He's tutoring my inner man in the image and likeness of Christ, in the attitude and appetite of Christ. Both. Yeah. Just a couple other examples for Jacob. You got the Samaritan woman. You got Peter, Peter especially, right? Had his mind made up about himself. The self-certainty went deep in Peter about his standing before the Lord and where he was at in the Lord. And the Lord had to allow Satan to sift him like wheat, right? That's a good thing, by the way. Sifting is a good thing. It brought purity to Peter, to his conscience, and to his yes to Jesus, ultimately. Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Right? He brought Peter to the realization of his own weakness and frailty. And at the same time, said, but you know what, Peter? You do love me. It's weak, but it's love. It's weak, but it's born of God. Your yes for me is weak, but it's true. And I needed you to see that you are weak and true. I need you dependent on me. I need you serving me for the right reasons and for the long haul. And if I don't deal with you like I did, you'd never serve me for the right reasons or the long haul. And that's, the, that's a deep place that's got to be dealt with in us, is this sense of self-certainty as to where I stand in my process before the Lord, that there wouldn't be pride or arrogance in me, but that I'd be broken and contrite and able to be corrected, redirected, 
reorchestrated, rearranged. My life's not my own, Lord. You know? And he's doing that type of stuff like he did in Peter. And, it, and it's testing and it's tempting that comes, but it comes to prove us right, not prove us wrong. I hit this last week. God wants to prove us to be a first fruits among his creation. James 1. That's profound. He wants us to look just like him. He wants us to think, right, feel, do just like Jesus. That's what it's all unto. The testing of my faith and the tempting of my character that I would pass the test, James says. Blessed is the man who perseveres underneath a trial or hardship or temptation. For once he's been approved and passed the test, he will receive what the Lord has promised to him. That's profound. Are you tempted? Are you, is God testing you? Is the enemy tempting you? Regardless, you can pass the test. You can pass the test not on your own, but in the midst of spiritual family, you can pass the test walking in light, running the race together of one accord, right? Being honest and truthful and humble, willing to hear even a donkey. Are you there? I'm there right now. Thankfully, no donkey has spoken to me. <laughs> I don't want to get to that point either. I want to be obedient to Jesus. I want my yes to be actualized in the way that I walk, not just the way that I talk. Does that make sense? That's where I'm at. I'm feeling this for us. Lord wants to deal. And this isn't about a church service. This is a season. I believe this. Lord wants to talk to me. It is talking to me about my heart and my belly, my attitude and my appetite. And he wants me craving what's of him. He wants my spiritual appetite to far outweigh my natural appetite. He wants my spiritual attitude to far outweigh my natural attitude about life and what I'm going to do and here and there and everywhere. So he's dealing with this stuff and he's readying us. We are going to steward something in this region. No doubt about it. We're going to steward something. And it's Psalm 51. It's create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Shift my attitudes to eternal, worthwhile things that will remain after you return. Right? And renew a right spirit within me. Change, Lord, the deep womb of my belly, my appetite, the unctions, the propensities of my life. So that's what I have for today. I just felt like just a call for our own appetite, our own heart. And if there's time to continue the rest of this, I felt like the Lord want, wanted to also just speak about just giving fresh language for what is the appetite of Jesus? What is he hungering and thirsting for? Because it's in the scriptures. And that's what this is all unto, is him redirecting some of this into conformity with his own appetite, his own attitude, right? In fact, the Greek word Paul used, let the mind of Christ, let the... Uh, let the mind of Christ be in you. Let the same mind be in you. Philippians 2. It's actually the Greek word is attitude. Yeah. Let this attitude be in you, which was in Christ. Wow.
and he went lower than we'll all we'll all go together times ten a million. <laughs> he went to the lowest place. Let that attitude be in you, Joseph. You wanna you want what you're asking for? I'm gonna take you right there, boy. That's where it all begins. So, amen. If, if any of this fits, awesome. Pray about it. If you're not if, if you're on a mountaintop season, stay there. Stay clear in conscience. But just weigh this before the Lord. Yeah, there's preparation. Yeah, this is so good. As you can tell, we're, we're not all <laughs> the type of church, too, that just does all like Christmas time, Christmas message. Sorry. Oh, you, <laughs> you can come Christmas service and we'll have a Christmas <laughs> message for you. But there's things that the Spirit is speaking and we want to hear what he's speaking right now. So that's what's happening. But this is so, so good. And um, last week, Tom and I were in New Hampshire so I could translate for Chio while he preached down there. And during the time of worship, this word came to me that I hadn't shared with him. He hadn't, I hadn't known fully what this message would be. But it's right along the same line from Romans 3 that there's no distinction. And something I just wanted to add uh, to what he just said, and hopefully we'll hear more, is that we're not comparing ourselves to each other. There's <laughs> that's not the thing. We're, we're all compared to the perfect one. We all stand before him alone. And so when, when we're hearing things like, like Joseph saying, this is for me, this is what I'm going through, I'm not saying, yeah, it's for you. This is what you're going through. I'm fine with all these things. No, there's no distinction. It says that <laughs> Romans 3, but now apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been manifested, even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe, for there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, being justified as a gift by his grace through redemption, which is in Christ Jesus. And then going down in verse 27, it says, where then is boasting? It is excluded. What kind of law of works? No, but by a law of faith, there's nothing that any of us can do. We're all standing before a holy and perfect God and he's going to deal with us as his children each individually and uniquely and who we are and the gifts and talents that he's given to each and every one of us and we need to have ears to hear what he's saying not oh well it doesn't seem like he's dealing with so and so so maybe he's not dealing with me or maybe <laughs> why doesn't he deal more with so and so you know we're con so often it's so easy to look this way as opposed to, no, this is me before the throne of God. He's perfect. There's no distinction. We've all fallen short. There's not one person in this room that's better than another person. Not one. Because <laughs> uh, there's only one perfect one. There's only one holy one. There's only one worthy one. So it actually doesn't matter how awesome you think you are or how horrible you think you are. We are on an even platform before the throne of God. There's no distinction. There's no distinction. And so I just want to encourage as we hear these messages, yeah, keep your focus upward and not comparative to one another because we have to hear this and we have to allow that the striking of God, the dealings of God as a father in our heart individually for, hey, how he's seeing me and recognizing that's love, that's his faithfulness, that's his mercy, that's his grace preparing us for what he has. 
And I can guarantee you there's not one in this room that he doesn't want to deal with. It's just fact. <laughs> it's who he is as a father. He's dealing with us because he's preparing us for something. So don't exclude yourself from that as well. Don't say, well, that must be for them or whatever. It is for all of us because uh, he's preparing us to steward something really amazing. Um, it's, it's beyond what words can describe. And we're feeling the urgency of the hour, the unction of the hour. And that's why we keep hammering this thing over and over again. Get ready, get ready, get ready. I mean, that's probably been the word for a year because we feel the urgency and the unction of the hour. And obviously, the Spirit is still speaking the same thing. There's a reason for that. Let's not just treat this like just a random message that, hey, we, we planned, oh, we're in a series. That's not what's happening. This is a prophetic word for now, for this body, for what God is wanting to do in us and what he's preparing us for. Amen? Amen. So let's pray. Father, we just love you so much. We thank you, God, for what you're doing here. We welcome it, Father. I welcome it in my life. As a leader here, we welcome it into the community, into this family. Do what you want to do, God. Come, speak to each and every one of us. Deal with us as your sons and your daughters. Deal with us. Speak to us. Teach us. Prepare us for what you have for us. Prepare us, God, as a community. Prepare our hearts, our attitudes, and our appetites as you released over us today. Help us to see clearly that our sincerity would be brought to clarity so we could have maturity, just like was said. God, we want to be mature sons and daughters, so give us clarity. Help us to see, to hear, to be sensitive. You're a good father, and we welcome your word and all that you're doing here. And for those that even aren't present this morning, God, just take us as an entire community into this place as one body, with one heart, with one soul, with one mind. Take us in unity into this place that not one would be left behind. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs> I'm not going to